and welcome to the Arsenal way for a press box transfer special. It was our last Monday uh, press box, I think, until the end of the transfer window. Unless, of course, we managed to do one on deadline day. However, I think that we're going to be majorly busy uh, talking about transfers anyway on deadline day. But it's our last one with a week to go. I'm joined by Kai Karnak. How are you doing, mate? You good? You well? Good, mate. Thank you. How about yourself? Not, not amazing after yesterday's result, to be honest. In life... Mm. Okay, but uh, okay. yeah, after the result was not was not great, was it? <laughs> no, I think we can we can copy paste that from a lot of Arsenal uh, press boxes mm. in January. Um, it's been <laughs> yeah, it was a very disappointing result. I, I didn't think the performance was actually as bad as I've, I've had a bit of a chance to look back on the performance, and it wasn't as bad as I think it was. I think the XG wise, Arsenal actually created more XG in this game nil nil draw against Burnley than they did in the three mm. one win against Spurs. So I think that that shows. Really? We'll definitely come on to this in terms of transfer stuff, but I think that shows where the problems lie yes. in the current Gunners side quite clearly. And uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's really frustrating in terms of the top four race because I know Spurs dropped points, but Man U won. And um, obviously Chelsea pulled even further away. Not that I think Arsenal really had a realistic chance of catching them, but you know, mm. things are as tight as they are right now. I don't think Arsenal can afford to be really dropping stupid points like that at home. So yeah, it's a shame. And now what, three weeks-ish until the next game? And that's going to be sort of, we're going to have that taste in our mouths for quite a while, I think. Unless yeah. it's sort of sweetened a little bit by some transfers. We'll have to see. We will have to see. Um, yeah, I mean, you said there about the XG and Lacazette. I, I thought the performance was, as I say, I agree with you. I didn't think the performance was awful i thought that obviously our finishing and the chance taken was bad but i also thought that some of the decision making for how we tried to create chances was a bit odd i mean when you're up against ben me and tarkovsky and you've got a sub six foot striker and you're whipping balls into the box it's not it's not the most advised strategy in, in the world and it was a carbon copy of last season when we lost to burnley because we did the same thing is we just launched balls into the box to someone who couldn't you know isn't known for their heading abilities against tarkovsky and me and we ended up losing that game with that abamyang own goal i think it was so yeah how do, i mean how do you explain kind of the way in which we've reverted in a way we've kind of regressed in the way that we were trying to create chances back to last season I don't know if it's quite as bad as last season. It wasn't full sort of Kieran Tierney and Hope vibes, um, but I think we just lacked a midfield. Arsenal really mm. lacked a midfield and that was a big problem for them on the day. Obviously, I think Samuel Conga has come in for a lot of stick and I think some of that's a little bit unjustified. I don't think he was as bad as people are saying, but um, I think he could have been a little bit more ambitious with his passing. Sometimes went a bit sideways and backwards and I think that played into Burnley's hands quite a lot. And then Erdegaard was a bit deeper, which meant he couldn't really find those pockets mm. of spaces in between what was quite a tight, Burnley back line but I also think the lack of options um, in terms of who was available you, you talk about I guess the, the on the bench if you're looking to change things and there was nothing there I mean Eddie and Ketia came on and did very little yet again I think we're sort of becoming a little bit accustomed to that from Eddie especially in Premier League games at least and that's that's becoming more and more frustrating and again we'll come on to it a little bit more detail what that means potentially for some January business but yeah, the, the attack may be a little bit ill-advised, but I think if you look at, again, just to, sorry to go, keep going back to that XG stat, mm -hmm. but they definitely no, created enough opportunities and there were they had shots from the right areas. Obviously, those crosses became more and more frustrating in the second half when I think Arsenal started to run out of ideas a little bit. And in mm -hmm. that scenario, maybe if they had been a bit more on the bench, they would have been able to find a little bit more of a thrust that way. But uh, yeah, it was it was disappointing because um, they couldn't take the chances that they managed to create, and that's a that's a real issue. That, that's it's sort of you look at the other positions midfield; they'll get their suspended players back. Um, 
defence, the likes of Tomiyasu, Cedric, Chambers will come back from their injuries, but up front there's there's nothing. Unless mm. Aubameyang gets patched up, there is there is nothing there, and that is that is a real problem for Arsenal if they want to get top four. And when you look at the people like the clubs that we're competing with, Spurs with Kane, Man United with Ronaldo and Cavani and Rashford and Greenwood, and uh, it's West Ham with Antonio, of course, and I mean they're getting goals from the likes of Bowen and, and Four Nows is being great for them too. So when you factor all that in, you realise the task that we're up against and kind of what's at Mikel Arteta's disposal. Now, the big critics will turn around and say that we've had 24 days of a January window and we've not addressed that problem yet. Um, and we are trying to. We're aware that Arsenal are trying to address it. But as Mikel Arteta said in his post-match press conference, things are complicated during this window. I'll, I'll ask you straight up, Kaya, because I feel like for the benefit of the listeners, um, they'll appreciate just kind of some bluntness with the questioning. Do you think that we will sign a striker between now and the end of the window? Just off your own kind of pure luck of the draw sort of thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. As we're speaking today at quarter to five on the 24th of January, Mm. no, I don't think it's going to happen because I think if it was probably going to happen, we would have seen a little bit more concrete news by now. And we know that Arsenal like to take their time a little bit when it comes to sort of crossing uh, the T's and dotting all the I's of the deals. And We don't like have to... the paper at the moment. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So there's, there's definitely... Uh, I think maybe we'd have seen a bit more um, smoke for there to be a fire of a transfer and we've mm. not really seen enough. The Vlajevic links seem to have gone away and I think Chris, our colleague, reported earlier today that his preference is to stay in Italy and probably go to Juventus anyway. Uh, that means that Alexander Isak seems to be the next one in line, but he's yeah. going to cost a lot of money and uh, I don't know whether Arsenal are willing to sanction such a big purchase in January. Not so much that they don't have the money to do so, but I think if they're going to spend that much money, they want to make sure it's 100% the right decision and you have a bit more time to do that in the summer than you do uh, in January. That's just the way things are. Um, of course, they've been scouting it for a while, but that's just the way things are. And uh, same with Jonathan David. He wouldn't be cheap because Lille signed him for quite a bit of money themselves not that long 20, ago. So 20 million, I think. Something, something like that, that yeah. yeah. So he he won't go for cheap if that um, is what Arsenal decide to get. And that seems to be the next in line, I think, um, judging from what we're hearing out of the club. So, yeah, it's it's um, it's not looking lightly in terms of centre-forward. But, listen, we, we've we've said that we said that in the summer about a right-back. It didn't look likely that Arsenal were going to get a right-back. And then on deadline day, Takeru Tomiyasu came out of nowhere um, and was has gone on to become one of Arsenal's best signings of the summer. Personally, I think the best signing of the summer Arsenal made in the Premier League, I would even go as far as to say. So things can change quickly. And um, I'm not saying never, but I'm saying as of now, probably not. Yeah, well, I'm where you are, um, actually. I'm interested to kind of know where you're at with Isaac uh, as kind of the, the backup option, because as you said there, it's a lot of money. £75 million buyout clause is what it would take. And that, I mean, I wrote a piece yesterday about kind of how it looks very similar to the situation we find ourselves in with uh, with Thomas Partey in 2020, where we were after Hussein Alwar. It looked all like we were going for Hussein Alwar. It wasn't able to be done. And Arsenal knew they kind of had this up their sleeve because they knew that they could go and activate the release clause of Partey and bring him in if they didn't say, go and get any other target. Do you feel like, I know you've kind of touched on this in regards to Arsenal would want to be 100% sure, but do you feel like the benefits of bringing in, say, an Isaac now in this opportunity to get Champions League football this season outweighs the risk of waiting until the end of the season without necessarily bringing in a striker? It's tough, isn't it? It's it's such a lot of money. So yeah. 
if you make that decision, you can't then just go and correct it in the summer. Uh, let's say is that turns out to be um, not as good as we were all hoping and turns out to be maybe someone who struggles to adapt to the Premier League or something like that. Come the summer, Arsenal probably wouldn't be able to go out and buy another £70 million striker or, I don't know, they wouldn't be able to go out and buy, <coughs> pardon me, they wouldn't be able to go out and buy like Vlajic having just spent all the money on Isaac. So it would have to be, it'd have to be pretty spot on. I mean, they've been scouting him for a while. Arsenal have been linked to Vlajic for a while and from what I've heard that they've been sort of looking at him for a very long time. So I think mm. they'll be, they'll know what he's got to offer. Um, but Would you yeah. do it? If it was up to you, I'm, I'm, imagine you're Josh Cronkey, um yeah. in the most polite way possible. <laughs> Would you sanction a deal for for Isaac in that sense? Um, I don't know. Well, first thing I'd I'd have a shave because I think his beard has got a bit too long <laughs> uh, from the last time we saw it. But yes. after having completed that very important task, I would. I don't know. I think it's very difficult because you can't. I don't think you can continue to the end of the season with just Lacazette and Nketiah as your only centre-forward options. It's not good enough. No. Um, if you want to be top four, it might not even be good enough for top six, to be honest. So if you're looking at that, then that says, yes, 100%. But then it's obviously a bit of a risk. And if you look at players like Vlajevic, who are a bit more, I think, ready-made, um, those kind of guys might be more available in the summer. So do you hold out until then? And Arteta himself said that they're only going to bring in players who raise the level of what they have significantly. Mm. I think I would let's I'm gonna I'm gonna reinterpret your question and say because I'm just cronking I've got all the money I want, I'm gonna buy Isaac and then if it doesn't work, I'll go out in the summer and try and convince Flavich to come to <laughs> Yeah, look, I, I think that I think if it's a case of Isaac or no one and he costs you seventy five million, I think it's a risk Arsenal have to take. Uh, I think it's a risk that we have to do knowing that we won't have enough to get into the top four. And as you say, maybe even the top six based upon who else is competing for these places because West Ham, United and Spurs have got to go somewhere with us. Someone is going to finish outside the top six of us, Spurs, West Ham, Man United, Chelsea. Someone is going to finish outside the top six. So if, if it is us, I would be sitting here saying now it will be because we don't bring in a striker during this window and that will be the reason for it. The other position, of course, is central midfield. Um, and Arsenal are struggling to kind of deal with Artemelo, which grew out of the last couple of weeks or so as the most likely of midfield targets. When I spoke to Chris just over a week ago, he felt like then it had the makings of a deal that, you know, could happen. Um, since that point, Alleg and this is before Allegri came out of obviously these these quotes. Allegri seems very determined to keep hold of him. The, the player that Juve were looking at as a possible replacement, Dennis Zakaria, looks closer to moving to a fellow German club, either Dortmund or Bayern that are being linked now than, than Juve. And Juve don't have to let him go. Like They're under no pressure to, to let Artemelo go whatsoever. The only pressure is really from the player, isn't it? He's the, he seems very open to the move. He seemingly wants to do the move. The agency is very keen on getting the move done, having met with Edu as well. How do you see Arsenal's track for a midfielder going and do you think it will be Artemelo if anyone? Um, I think midfield is probably a position where Arsenal are just about okay to get by until the end of the season. If you consider there's no more cup games now, there's no Europe. Uh, there's 18 Premier League games left until the end of the season and if you're looking for that, then Thomas Partey, Granit Xhaka, Albert Sambi Lekonga, Mohamed Elneny and Charlie Patino potentially, if really needed, is probably enough to get you through that period, I think. 
Um, I think those first two are definitely good enough to compete with most midfields in the Premier League when in the right system. We saw that against mm. City. Um, Partey had a sublime game and Xhaka, when he's on song, can be as good as that. So I think they'd just about be okay. And for me, Arthur would sort of seem a bit like getting a body in for the sake of it. And I'm not necessarily sure it makes sense to bring in someone from Juventus who you don't really have the intention of signing in the summer um, to sort of disrupt the progress of Albert Samuel Conga, who currently is next in line for a starting spot. If Arta was to come in, you'd assume he'd be sort of third choice and Albert Samuel mm-hmm. Conga would go down to fourth choice. So I personally wouldn't do it. I think Arta will be fine with midfield options until the end of the season. I wouldn't have let Ainsley Maitland-Niles go personally. I'd have kept until the end of the season because I think then you had the sort of the perfect um, deal where he wasn't happy in any way um, to be fifth choice, but that was the role he was playing in the squad and he was he was going to sit there until the end of the season. I think that would have been fine. Could have done with him at right back the other day, to be honest. I 100% <laughs> agree. I 100% yeah. agree. Um, uh, but that's obviously talking in hindsight, so it doesn't really help much right now. But yeah, centre midfield is a position where I think Arsenal will just about be okay. And if, if it were me in charge of the transfer policy, I would personally, to avoid uh, bringing in Arto, I think you might as well give those minutes to some of the younger players who are going to be here for, for the foreseeable, unless the plan is to bring Arto in the long term, sign him on a permanent in the summer mm. and sort of keep him for, I don't know, however long. But it doesn't seem to be, uh, from the indications we're getting at least, that that is what they plan to do. So I think it would make sense to just avoid that one for me. Fair enough. Um, the other position, uh, which has grown out of more necessity and, and, and kind of a worrying nature, is is right back all of a sudden. With Tommy Asu out for a few weeks, um, Chambers, of course, has been struggling with fitness over January, returned to the bench at the weekend. Cedric is, is trying to return back to fitness as well. There has been kind of whispers, not even whispers, more shouts from the Arsenal fan base that, you know, that position is not well enough covered by who's behind Tommy Astor and is injured. And the options that we have is not enough to to give Arsenal what they need again if they've got hopes of qualifying for the Champions League. I don't expect Arsenal to go and sign a right back at the end of the window. And I'm probably going to make the assumption that you don't either. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Arsenal will go out and sign a fourth right back to go in the squad. I just mm. don't think that makes any sense, particularly with no cup competitions anymore. I just don't think it will happen. Um, I think they'll just about be okay. You've got a three-week break now where the likes of Cedric, Tommy Asu and Chambers will probably all be fit by the end of it before the next Premier League game. So I think that means that they'll just about get away with it and listen if Tommy Asu is fit and he's been pretty solid fitness wise until this very recent Mm. unfortunate calf injury he's going to play every week and then beyond that I think I personally think Cedric gets a little bit of a harsh rep I don't think he's quite as bad as people say I just think positionally he's very different and tactically he's very different from what Tommy Asu offers so I think that's why he's maybe not as good a backup as some Arsenal fans would like I think Chambers is fine as an option as as backup because I think he's more stylistically similar to uh Tommy, Tommy Asu, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it seems Cedric at least, you know, he was obviously linked with that move to Atletico Madrid. Um, from what I've heard, it seems like he wants to stay with Arsenal, but he's not totally opposed to a move if it were to come. But I think he does want to stay, so we'll see what happens there. That could be another exit to keep an eye on. But personally, I think with those three, Arsenal will be fine until the end of the season, and then it's likely that Callum Chambers will leave, maybe Cedric will leave too, and then you look to go out and buy. Um, a more similar stylistic uh, backup to Takeru Tomiyasu at right back. Do you think it would be a similar one? I mean, you look at kind of Tavares, you'll be brought in on the left-hand side. Do you, do you think maybe they would go for someone stylistically a little bit dissimilar because of you know variation and having a different kind of option? I don't know. I just I think 
Tavares and Tierney are so similar as players. Obviously, they, they both have different qualities in the final third. Um, mm. Tavares like being more two-footed and Tierney being more gets the byline and cross it. But um, I think it just makes more sense when you've got a system that's working and has worked against some of the very best teams in Europe. I think it makes very little sense to go and change that. So if mm. that's the way Arteta wants to play and if that's the style of football Arteta wants um, at the Emirates, then he should really go out and get the players that he thinks are necessary for it. And I think maybe you wrote a piece on Tyler Adams today. Yes. That kind of player I think would be um, sort of a, a good fit, although he seems to be more uh, inclined to play in midfield. But I think that that kind of player sort of an inverted fullback would just make more sense and would really strengthen the squad as well because then you're looking at two quality options for one position and that's what I think every manager dreams of having. Kind of like an Ainsley Mate the Niles kind of player. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, oh, if yeah. only. Um, lastly, the, the other big transfer story is, of course, regarding it, the last maybe out of the window, which is Perry Mikabamiang. Um, reports suggested previously there was links to the Middle East and Al Nasser were brought up. However, I've personally seen reports that that's been debunked since then. And now Al Hilal are another side that have since come in. Uh, to offer a loan with you know covering full wages and the possibility of an option to buy at the end of that. Um, on top of that, you've got interest, as Chris Wheatley reported today, from other clubs like PSG, for example. I think Sevilla have also been mentioned as another option. But he seemingly, he being a Bamiang, sees himself still very much wanting to play in that kind of top European level and not making that move yet to the Middle East. So it's a tricky situation that Arsenal will probably find themselves in my opinion, keeping him into the end of this season, at least, before a decision's made in the summer. Yeah, I think no matter what happens with Aubameyang, he's probably not going to leave on a permanent transfer this summer. So he's going to be getting his wages paid one way or another. So he mm. might as well stay at a top European club if that's an option. And obviously, Arsenal would like to have another club cover his wages entirely. And if Al Hilal or Al Nasser or whichever Saudi team it is um, do come in and did for him, then I'm sure Arsenal would be happy for him to choose that. But I think the player is perfectly within his rights to go for um, a, a more attractive move at this stage of his career. He's only 32 and he's, he's I mean, th those stories about his heart problems turned out to be uh, incorrect. So he's, he's athletically at least always been very uh, on point. I can't remember him ever really missing a chunk of time due to injury. I think he's had maybe a tight calf here or there. And obviously... Yeah disciplinary reasons are the reasons he's missed games if he's missed any at all so he could definitely still play at the top level um i think he could play at a team which probably would be more suited stylistically to what he's trying to do as a player i think he doesn't quite fit Michel Arteta's system but that doesn't mean he doesn't fit the systems of plenty of top teams across europe and you mentioned the likes of AC Milan although they do have um Ibrahimovic and Giroud so I personally don't see that one making sense but someone like a PSG maybe that could work with yeah. Neymar and Mbappe either side um, Neymar and Mbappe Messi those kind of guys that'd be very exciting um, I'd be an incredible front line if you get those four into the team somehow um, then I don't know Sevilla who you mentioned as well that could be an interesting one too so yeah if I were Aubameyang I'd definitely be looking for just if I were him I'd be looking out for myself and I'd be looking to try and get as, as good a move as possible because his career isn't done yet and I don't think he should accept that even though it, the circumstances are a little bit tricky and come the summer if he wants to he'll probably be able to secure a move to a top European side and I don't think he'd be able to do that if he tied himself into a move to Saudi Arabia mm. with a permanent in the summer. Do you think he will still be here come February 1st? Personally, no. I think. Uh, the oh, really? Uh, Interesting. Yeah, I think they'll they'll look to um, try and. Get, I think he 
probably wants well he does want to be playing football and uh he's not played for a very long time now obviously had, i think he had a friendly with gabon but he's not played competitive football for a very long time now mm. he'll want to get back playing he's a guy who does love football and he does love scoring goals and he'll want to get that feeling back and um whether he has to go somewhere in europe to do that we'll have to wait and see but i personally think arsenal won't want it hanging over the club in the way the Mesut Ozil situation did. We were already having these sort of conversations where uh, should uh, Arteta bring back Aubameyang now that Arsenal aren't scoring? They're very reminiscent of the should Arteta bring back Mesut Ozil now that Arsenal can't create any chances conversations. And, and, and should Lacazette I, replace Aubameyang because Aubameyang's yeah, not scoring? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but I personally don't want to be having those conversations until the end of the season. I just think mm-hmm. if, if he can secure himself an exit, then I think that would be good for both the player and the club and I think we shouldn't forget the legacy that Aubameyang has. He basically carried Arsenal to an FA Cup. He very nearly nearly carried Arsenal into the top four in Unai Emery's full season in charge. And it's a shame it's had to end this way. But I think he's he's a very good player. And uh, I think he can go and be a very good player at another top team in Europe. Yes. Um, it's going to be intriguing and interesting how this window ends. Kai, I'm sure we'll have a catch up at some point before then. Um, let's think, let's hope anyway that we see uh, a lot more kind of, you know, sturdy hands than the one that's just dropped a notepad on the floor. <laughs> so uh, in regards to Arsenal spending, uh, prediction for the end of the window, how many in, how many out? No names, just numbers. In... I, I feel like I have to break it down in terms of names in my head. I'll go position. So I think they'll sign a goalkeeper and I think they'll find, sign a striker because it seems like Bern Leno is on his way Matt out. Turner. That looks like, Matt Turner, it? yeah, that looks mm. like it could be um, one that goes ahead. So that seems to make sense. So a goalkeeper and a striker. Uh, outcoming, outgoings, what are we looking at? Aubameyang going, potentially, I don't know, oh, with Leno going. So two in, two out. Yeah, I'll, I'll go for that. It, back on the striker I love them yeah. it's fair, fair enough um, yeah, I'll not? be I think it will just be the one I'm not going to commit to the position because I'm not naive <laughs> completely foolish um, I'll stick with one and I'll say that one will go as well um, fair enough thank you Kaya as always mate for coming on the show do tell people where you can where they can find you and what you're going to be up to as well yeah you can uh, find me embarrassing myself by committing to very naive opinions uh, on <laughs> Twitter at kayakainat97 I'm also on Facebook Kaya Journalist, and the football.long website is where you can find all my articles and the other good stuff I pray you're right. Uh, <laughs> I pray that you are right, mate. I really do. Um, we will be wrapping this up, and obviously you can check us out in tomorrow morning's Arsenal Agenda show. We'll be bringing you constant updates throughout the rest of the transfer window. Kaya and Chris Wheatley will be keeping you fully up to date with everything that's going on, as he says, over on London. So please make sure you're checking out all of the pieces over there. And you're following everyone on Twitter to keep yourselves even further tuned in with what's going on. We will see you again very, very soon. And as always, keep following us down the Arsenal way.